Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the DFS Dreamer Off-Season Podcast. As we're getting ready for the 2023 NFL season, we are here talking about different things. Today, we are going to talk about some Scott Fishbowl stuff, I believe, if I can get Pierre to get on top of those things. We can also talk about some ADP things, and I also have a couple other surprises for my friend Pierre. Let me bring him in right now. You all know him very well as the, uh, what, what did I call you last time from Instagram? What was your... Instagram. Yeah, what? I introduced you. I said you had an Instagram account, and you were like, uh, "Dark chocolate or something." Uh, I don't have an Instagram, but yeah, dark chocolate seems about right for me. That's yeah. that seems pretty pretty spot on. <laughs> at Pee Wee Thirty One, I know he's over there on Twitter for sure. You can find me at Loafin. Don't forget to follow the show. And if I today with a little underscore Pierre and I have been having a lot of fun talking not only football stuff, but we also do this other strange podcast where we're talking more about life issues, I guess, and whereas we're trying to figure some things out. And Pierre, I'm excited for how, how that journey is going and and how it's taken us. Yeah, it's been it's been a pleasant surprise. The just see the feedback of listeners and just kind of talk through, I'll say faith, you know, that's what we're, we're talking through there. So it's been a really cool journey and it's obviously a little different from the, the sports talk, but you know, I, we bring my wife along for, for that journey and ride and it's been going really well. So glad you've been taking part in it with us. All right, Finding Faith at Losing Sleep podcast, right? Finding Faith at Losing Sleep podcast. Is that how you, how you search it in the Google machine? Yeah, just search Finding Faith, Losing Sleep, and it'll, it'll come up pretty much everywhere. So we, we got all the platforms taken care of. Uh, we're starting, uh, we're, gonna, we're just going to kind of flip open the, the Bible to it, start back there in Genesis. And we're going to, yeah, you guys, you guys are going to, whoever listens is going to be in for a treat. I'll just tell you that, going to be in for a treat. I like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for it. But hey, today we're talking about this Scott Fishbowl stuff, and he put out a couple of teasers. Do you do you have that at the ready, Pierre? Do you know what he was talking about? Has the scoring come out because he's teased it a little bit about? Hey, I got. I've, what did he say? He said yesterday, Josh Allen in my average scoring will score like forty points a game or something. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if he's put anything out, but um, so Fantasy Orgs, there's another Twitter account. Uh, basically, what the whole thing is about for Fantasy Cares dot uh, org is you know where we raise money for charity etc um but they had a a quick youtube live session they were giving away uh spots to the scott fishbowl 13 and he he kind of mentioned high scoring he's like almost like it's going to be like an arcade mode which i found very interesting and he did talk about josh allen um is a average basically per game would be roughly like 40 points as you mentioned which i believe was in the 30s last year um no negative points which i i found interesting um when you say no negative points that means that you know their interceptions aren't going to deduct points fumbles those type of things aren't going to deduct points anymore you had quarterbacks uh for example last year i think like Kirk cousins had a game where he was just awful and he ended up like negative 14 as a (laughs) score but there's going to be no negatives there's going to be no deductions so we're talking about points galore from the way he kind of phrased it. And uh, I know he has a choice between pick 12 or pick one. Um, him and his son are in the same division. And I think he's going to let Ian kind of pick where he wants to be. Um, he kind of alluded to him himself, Scott, having a top three. And he said that Kelsey is one of his top three picks that he's considering if his son takes 12 and he takes one. So volume's going to matter, a bunch of points, no negatives or kind of the teasers that he's gotten, that he's given. I think he's done, but I just haven't seen him post it yet. But pretty intriguing. It sounds like it's going to be quite the scoring fest this year. Yeah, so you got to make sure you get those. <laughs> I mean, you always want to get the high scores in fantasy. But also, what what the Scott Fishbowl has done in the past is it's just it's changed some of those things up to where you have to your, – your draft rankings don't always apply to that mm-hmm. particular contest, right? Uh, whether that's because he put kickers in there or like you yeah. said, the negative points were even accentuated some of those years. You know, it, it was even more negative points if a quarterback threw an interception. I think, I, I I can't remember everything exactly. Well, I believe even last year it was like negative four, I want to say for an interception. So if you think a touchdown being, tends to be six, if you now throw an interception, you're down to two points. And if you throw more interceptions than touchdowns, you're in the negative which is the case. You have some quarterbacks that are 
you know, their highs and lows. You know, my guy Carson Wentz was one. I know Jameis Winston, the year that he was really, really good in Tampa, you know, he had a lot of interceptions that year. So if you don't have to worry about that anymore, you can just kind of <laughs> go with folks that are airing it out. And it's going to be interesting. It's going to change, I think, some strategies. And I wonder if folks maybe think about or regret, I guess, to some extent, some of the draft positions that they selected for those that have already been in, um, gotten their invite, et cetera. Oh, that, that may be because you can't you can't take a little bit more chances if if with a mediocre. I, I'd imagine this is going to help Baker Mayfield tremendously. <laughs> hey, Pierre, Ellie De La Cruz Day today in Major League Baseball. And as it goes to the Ellie De La Cruz Day, let me ask you this. Who's leading the major leagues? In home runs. I know you keep an eye on all these uh, things as we get over here to our average draft positions. Thanks to our friends at Fantasy Pros. Who may leads uh, the major leagues? I'm just going to assume it's Judge. Judge I has 19. Know, Judge is in second place with 19. Would Who's you like another first? guess? Uh, no, I don't know. Third place is Max Muncy with that 18. That was going to be my guess for the other first one, so I would have been wrong twice. Isn't that, uh, two, 203 batting average. Matt Olson is there at 17. Jorge Soler is at 17, one of our guys from the past. But Pete Alonso is leading the major leagues okay. in home runs with 21. Uh, the polar bear. The polar bear, I think, is what it's called, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure John Fraschella would have got that. He's he's all about those New York teams. So he's probably screaming if he's listening who it is. <laughs> at the top of his who is leading the league in strikeouts, Pierre? You got to get this one right. Come on. Who yeah, is like that's a pitcher a or who has struck out the most oh, as a batter? A batter, batter. It's more fun whenever we talk batters <laughs> and strikeouts. Uh, who is leading in strikeouts? Who strikes out a lot? Mm-hmm. Uh, the list uh, is Schwarber. Uh, the, he's number three, so you're right there. I, I knew you'd. Be, I knew you'd be in the vicinity. He's got 76. Let me. Let me just. This. This is. It's so interesting to me. Whenever you look at this, Patrick Wisdom. We'd expect him. He's down there at 72. Anthony mm-hmm. uh, was with six. Uh, he's sixth in the league with 72 strikeouts. I said Anthony Volpe, the little shortstop from New York, oh, yeah. and, and he usually bats ninth too. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's batting 193 with 72 strikeouts. Uh, Suarez with Seattle. He's there. Kelnick with Seattle. So he's at 72. Start off the year really hot, but he's batting 270 now. Uh, right. And he's tied for six with 72. James Outman with the Dodgers, who's not really playing every single day anymore. He's yeah. at 74 strikeouts, batting 230 right now. Oh my goodness. How many yeah, plate appearances? Does it tell you how many plate appearances? Uh, plate appearances is plate appearances, uh, games, at-bats is 183. Oh, yeah, seventy-four. That's <laughs> not a big a twenty strike, uh, twenty walk. Uh, Ryan McMahon, seventy-five strikeouts. Kyle Schwarber's there, at seventy-six. Matt Olson, who we talked about leading the league in home runs with seventeen, he has seventy-nine. Seventy-nine mm-hmm. out of two hundred twenty plate appearances, but still bad two thirty-two. T. Oscar Hernandez with Seattle. Ah. So Seattle has three guys in the top ten. <laughs> Four, if you include Julio Rodriguez, there in top ten. As well with eighty one for T. Oscar Hernandez. Oh my goodness, they got him from the the Blue Jays too, so that's even more interesting. They were pretty good last year, but they're there. I think they're right around five hundred now, so we'll we'll see if they can turn around. If so, they're they'll have to work on that that plate. <laughs> Just discipline the plate discipline. That's <laughs> they don't have they have zero discipline right now. Just but at the same time, there's these guys like in Oakland. They they work the count to three and two every single time I believe, and then they just they leave it up to chance on whether that last pitch is a strike or not. <laughs> They're awful. Like, uh, we might get a money ball too because these yeah. are that bad. Who leads the league in stolen bases, Pierre? It's one of the most exciting plays in baseball, if you ask me. Oh, it is, but I don't. Uh, steals. You really, are you? Yeah, are you not paying attention to baseball this year? I mean, I am, but not to the point to know the the leaders of what's taking place. Um, okay. I'm trying to think of who the stolen base guys are. Um, I know there's a guy in Oakland. I can't think of his name that's been pretty good. I know he's been leading off. Is it Ruiz, maybe? Yeah, Stuart Ruiz. I would, I've probably butchered that. 29 stolen bases already. Acuna with 26. Wander Franco with 21 stolen base. I think it's a career high. Minor leagues and major leagues for Wander Franco. Which, <laughs> and, he, and he's not all that fast when you look at the stat cast page. He's like, not that fast. It's just not there. Bobby Witt with 19. Jihan Bay with with eighteen, I think there with Pittsburgh. Okay, well that that was that was a fun little game I, for me anyway. I enjoy. <laughs> I was close. I had guys in the top five at least. 
Yes, you, you were close. Uh, do you know who's leading the league in batting average? Probably Acuna. He's crushing it. It's Luis Arise with ah, Miami. Okay. Uh-huh. And batting 399 right now, Pierre. It's June. He's batting 399. We he's might been, have him. He's been hot. I mean, I remember him in Minnesota. They would kind of lead him off at times, but he hasn't been that hot. So, yeah, 399 is impressive. Yeah, he, he you know, got a potential for a 400 uh, batter here with batting average, which is always interesting to see that little go down. But, you know, the year gets longer. People get tired. But the thing is, is he just – he swings in his spot, and that's what he does, and he and he's able to get it through. The, one home run and one stolen base, so he's not exerting a lot of energy out there. Only 11 strikeouts for him this year in 200 at-bats. That's impressive. It's <laughs> impressive. Maybe the, the warmth of Miami has just got him. He, he got out of Minnesota in the code, and the warmth of Miami has just warmed up his bat. It, it certainly did. All right, so <clears throat> over for us, for us here on Wait, the fantasy. Wait, where was Acuna? Was that was that? Uh, yeah. No, he wasn't. I already clicked off it, but he's 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 probably in there. He's three thirty, three twenty, three ten okay. somewhere. I mean, he's he's having an amazing year. Amazing All right, year. he's no, the NL NL MVP right now for sure. For sure, for sure. Um, so here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network, we always do the DFS Streamer Podcast. About a week early, we try to do it on Tuesday afternoons to take a look at the DraftKings slate that's coming up for the weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually we just we do look at that. We got the little contest that we put on each and every week, up to 20, 50 co- contestants. I, I think we should enlar- enlarge that, but I think you got 20, 25 people in there. Is that right? Yeah, it's anywhere from 15 to 25 uh, is usually how it runs. Um, hadn't really had control over it because it just kind of renews, which is why you get all the special characters, whatever it posts. Um, but if I did a new one, I could, I could do it. But right now I've just kind of kept it, uh, what reoccurs because it won't go away unless no one enters it. Oh. The only, the only time I can get rid of it and kind of create a new one from scratch after reaching out to DraftKings is no one can join it for two weeks in a row. And unfortunately we have great listeners that always join it. So I, I just let it run. Oh, no. And listen, we appreciate everybody listening. We, we appreciate everybody participating. So we will never change that. Plus, I've I've been able to have fun with the name of it recently. So we're just going to keep it like it is. <laughs> it's easier also, to find. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how you spell it, but that's how it sounds and looks to me. Uh, also here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network, of course, uh, our, 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 I won't say it's a best ball. It's a, what is it? How you, how would you say that Baby Bowl is? It's It's a... It's a, a, a redraft. It's a, You take every single week. It's a player elimination tournament. Isn't that how you kind yeah, of Yeah, it's more like that? an eliminator, um, but with players. So you ultimately are, are building the lineup kind of similar to, to DFS, but the eliminator um, standpoint is that you can only use that player once. So after you plug them into your lineup, you can't use them for the rest of the regular season. Um, and you're just kind of getting the accumulation of uh, all your points throughout the, the year. Um Raise some money from March of Dimes. Really, really good, really good, really fun uh, league to do. Our uh, cohort, uh, Rob Norton, you know, runs that. But, yeah, that's how it works, kind of like an elimination player uh, to where you can just pick a person once and then they're done. And Ashley's in praise, too. We also do that. So okay. it's a, I, th- I think it's like $50 to get into the tournament. I could be wrong on that. You can check out Rob Norton's Twitter handle. He has a pinned tweet from the Baby Bowl from last year already on there or still on there at Norton0723. And you can check that one out just to see what some of that information is. And this is what I'm going to encourage everybody to do. Just set aside that money. Set aside that league opening. For Baby Bowl, because I have yet to find a person who just hated being in the Baby Bowl. Because to me, it breaks up the monotony of the redraft leagues or even those big leagues that you're in each and every week whenever mm-hmm. you're talking about a Scott Fish Bowl or something. Because it, it brings a uniqueness to it. It's a DFS style in my brain. And I, my brain has really gone over to the DFS thing. So just set aside an opening for the Baby Bowl. And I think it's a third of it goes to March of Dimes, a third of it goes to Ashley's Embrace, and a third of it goes in the prize pool. And it was a really big prize last year for. The first place winner of it was eight hundred dollars, and, and does it look I, to me, Pierre? Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not even close to ever winning it, but I'm like, oh, <laughs> I should I should have won, I should have won, oh, I should have picked that guy or something. It, it doesn't seem intangible to do because still the contestant list is like at that hundred and fifty mark or something like that, just really close. So it's not a huge pool of people to have to beat, but it's big enough to make it really juicy. Yeah, and it's week over week. So, I mean, you, he even does some some contests for, like, the, the top each week where oh, yeah. you, you can get a, a small increment. And, 
It's just it's just fun. Like you, you see different strategies, and especially when you get towards the end, because you know you're running out of guys to play, but you're also <laughs> trying to you know be strategic against those you're trying to catch in the standings, and and hope that maybe they don't have a player. And it's just it's different, but uh, I've enjoyed it. It's been a good time. I feel like I've gotten better. You know the the couple years in a row now. So hopefully, you know I'm I cracked the top ten. I think I fell out of it right at the end last year, but. Uh, really good cause. There's so many. There's so many good causes out there. I mean, I think there's a sure. biscuit bowl, uh, lightning round fantasy that you know Kevin Tompkins does, and warrior bowl. There's just so many uh, great you know type of contests and leagues that go on to to raise money for charity, which to me is you know what it's all about. Like I enjoy fantasy football as it is, but it's really it's really fun to do it and also have a good cause tied to it. Um, so regardless of what you're in, what you can do, you know, I know everyone, you know, has their own budget, et cetera. Um, just have fun and, uh, again, try to donate to some charities and those that are less fortunate than you in the process. Uh, the community too, I, I gotta mention the community, like the fantasy football mm-hmm. community. It's a part of getting into the community a little bit more. Now, yeah. here's what I've noticed about getting into the community. Uh, I, I don't know how long we've been doing this. I don't know how long I've been in the community or anything like that. I know the first year though. Y'all handed me my lunch without a paper bag. You know what I'm saying? Like every single contest I entered. And I listen, I've been pretty good in my home leagues. I've been pretty good. And I say pretty good. I'm a contender for the championship every year. In my head, my league mates may my my league mates may uh, tell you that that's not true, but I think that deep down inside they they know it is. Uh, so, but but I mean, I got into these other contests. Y'all handed it to me, cause uh, and I'm down here in Alabama, so I'm a little bit behind on things. You know what I mean? I'm I'm behind on things. Yeah. Y'all handed it to. I don't know how to use a computer well. Y'all handed it to me whenever I went into it. As I've been in the community. Talking to people like you, Rob Norton, others in the in the industry, and and other people that have been so kind and generous to be able to hand me little tips here and there, and we've had people on the on the uh, Fantasy Impact Today Network as I've interviewed those people and talked to them. I've learned a lot being in the chat rooms, like in mm-hmm. the Baby Bowl or even in the Scott Fish Bowl. Just being around those people, it's made me a better fantasy football player. Okay. Yeah. No, no, it has. It has. Listening to people and how they construct their ideas on how to build rosters and everything has helped me be a better fantasy football player. Listen, listen, I, I started joining some listener leagues last year. Yeah. OK, and, and I, I love doing that. I love joining listener leagues. But I was like, oh, this is so different than playing with all you sharks out there who have been doing this in a, in a different category. And I'm not trying to put anybody down. It's just the different levels of fantasy play. Mm-hmm. And I think that if people get more involved in the community and, and get more involved with all these other industry leaders that are out there, your fantasy football knowledge and acumen just continues to rise. And then when you get into the regular leagues, you know, like home leagues and different things, you just, you, you realize there's a difference. There is. There's a there's a big difference. Like I I feel like I'm I'm in title contention every year in a couple home leagues that I have. Like every year I have the the trophies to back it up. Um, some of these bigger leagues with with others, I don't want to say that that know what they're doing, but that know what they're doing. Uh, <laughs> it just changes. So even like with the the Scott Fishbowl, for example. So oh. two years ago, I went to the conference finals. Like I was almost to the finals and I'm like, Oh yeah, this is, it's pretty easy. <laughs> and last year I was in the, the Sirius XM live division and it was all <laughs> other analysts and I missed the playoffs. Like I was close, but I missed it. And it's just because like you go to these drafts and there's like no mistakes, like all the people no. you're targeting, they're coming off the board because they're targeting them too. And then you get into some things like, you know, no RB and those type of things that, I really never considered too much. I always felt like, you know, running backs are going to help you win divisions. You need those top running backs. But then you start to see, you know, hey, the scoring is a little bit different here. You know, you got to pay attention to certain details because the the points that you're getting aren't the same. And you got to look at all the the ins and outs because everyone else is. And you're, you're not going to be able to slide through like you might with those casual type of fans. 
Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And and that's that's the thing that and the waiver wires there are no yeah. waiver wires. That's that's that was my biggest mistake the first year. There was no waiver wire. <laughs> Anybody you wanted like, oh, uh, he's already taken, you know, cuz this is these are <laughs> these leagues are so deep and the drafts go on for days and weeks it feels yeah. like and there's nobody out there on the waiver wire. And last year I remember in the Scott Fishbowl, I spent like I don't even remember twenty four dollars or something like that on on um, uh, on on my my from my budget. I spent twenty four dollars on Sterling Shepard. Okay, he was out there, and I was like, "Oh, I got to grab Sterling Shepard," and I did. He was he was hurt four weeks later, but it gave me pretty good scores, a dollar for dollar, anyway, as far as <laughs> that goes. And but but people were like, "Oh, yeah, why'd you spend so much on Sterling Shepard?" I'm like, "There's nobody else to pick." Whenever you go into things like that, it's true, and it's it's even strategy in itself because. You want to get people like if there's folks like those first two weeks that you notice are like standouts, you better put in a bid to, to get them because everyone else is going to notice. But on the flip side, sometimes you'll have some late season injuries and such where all of a sudden someone becomes available, a backup running back or backup quarterback in a super flex that you, you really need because you may have had the one that got hurt. And so you need to have the 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 salary available to to bid on those guys as well. So it's a it's a balance. Um, each year is going to be different. Each division is going to be different. Um, so just take that you know as you will. But yeah, it's it's still fun. It's all part of the the strategy and the thought process. Um, so I really enjoy it. Yep. So get involved. Get involved with the community. Set aside some things for the baby bowl. You can get have a Discord with that. You also get put in some chat rooms along the way, and it really does help you become a better fantasy football player. Pierre is what I believe. Now, speaking of this, uh, there's mm-hmm. been best balls that have really just really took off over the last three four years. Uh, you can you can sign up for those over at Underdog. You can play some of those at DraftKings as well. Now there's all kinds of places to play best ball leagues. Yahoo I think does best ball leagues as well, where, where you can pay to play really and you can join these huge contests i i pierre it's fun it's mostly fun because you get to do live drafts with other people yeah. <laughs> i think that's i think that's really why best balls have become so popular is because we just get to draft is what we get to do with other people who are drafting and it counts it's not mock drafts anymore we're doing real drafts now and so let's look at some fantasy pros adp mm-hmm. over in the best ball section and I guess we got to have kind of a scoring thing here for us, for you and me, like in our minds of of what we want to, you know, I guess best ball is always going to be uh, one point PPR. It's probably not going to be a super flex league. It's probably not going to be tight end premium league or anything mm-hmm. like that, right? Yeah, usually not the case. Um, but one of the other pros that I want to bring up with best balls is we just talked about waivers. Um, you don't have to worry about them. Oh. Like there's no waivers here. Whatever you draft, that's your team. If they get hurt, you're out of luck. Um, but it automatically just takes your best lineup at each position. Um, wherever that starting looks like it might be usually one quarterback, two running back, three receivers, a, a tight end and a flex or so, but it just takes your best points for that week. And, and that's what you get. Um, which in a, in a league, in a community where so many folks are doing so much, whether it be charity leagues, home leagues, dynasty leagues, keeper leagues, there's so much going on. Best balls are kind of refreshing because you can kind of just draft and then forget about it. And whatever happens at the end of the season, that's what you have because that's your roster. Oh, and, and the, one of the things I like is when I get the notification at the end of the year, hey, you won this league. I'm like, huh. Yeah, I forgot about it. You know, <laughs> I, realized, I never checked it again. I know I have no idea. I, I didn't remember doing that at all. But I do like the best ball aspect of things because, like, number one uh, ADP as far as fantasy pros goes for best ball is Justin Jefferson. Let's mm-hmm. say Justin Jefferson has a bad week and he just puts up eight fantasy points. Well, in your home league, when you're redraft leagues, that may be just it may ruin your your week. You lost to somebody and they're talking trash to you. Well, in this one it's not the case maybe because mm-hmm. you might have drafted somebody way down the line and uh, who knows who 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 could it be? Zay Flowers. Maybe it's Zay Flowers. You drafted Zay Flowers as well and he put up a big week. And so mm-hmm. they would just take Justin Jefferson out, stick Zay Flowers in and put in Zay Flowers 15 points and maybe you win that league. Uh, uh, that week anyway in best ball. So that's always fun. It is. And it, it's why I always try to be balanced in best balls. I, I try to be deep at, you know, receiver. Um, I try to get, you know, three quarterbacks because quarterbacks, are obviously a important position. So I try to get at least three quarterbacks in case, you know, one gets hurt, one's on a buy, those type of things. So again, that's part of the strategy, but it, yeah, it helps that 
you don't have to worry about your stud, you know, leaving early through a concussion or just not getting targeted the whole game. Because if you got a third string guy that, you know, blows up, it, it, it can help you because they're just going to take your best score at each position. Yeah, and then you shoot for upside at the end of the draft, most likely just to find those players that can have the most upside when it comes to the end of the year, whenever they're kind of inserting those rookies or inserting those younger players or their third, the third street players. That you, all right, number one here, let's give off top five ADPs. Justin Jefferson, Christian McCaffrey, Jamar Chase, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill, Pierre. Let's say you have got pick number one. Mm-hmm. Who are you picking first? It's probably Jefferson, which is so weird to say because, as I stated, I've always been a, a first-round running back type. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can see the game even just starting to change. And it's not like running backs don't still score. They still score well. But receivers tend to have those bigger boom days more more than not. And Justin Jefferson is definitely a, a boom type in that Vikings offense. So I, I would definitely go Jefferson. You know, last year probably easily would have been a McCaffrey or a Jonathan Taylor. So seeing Jefferson up here, seeing Chase, those type of names up here now, it's uh, it's a little different than what I'm used to. Uh, are you no concerned there with uh, T.J. Hawkinson being in there to kind of relieve some of his receiving duties a little bit there? Uh, and also the rookie, what's his name? Aitken? Aitken? Addison, Jordan Addison. 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 That was I mean, they're they're there, but I mean, you got to think Thielen's gone, so that's that's one mm-hmm. less target, especially in the red zone. And Hawkinson was there, you know, second half of of last year, and Jefferson still had some some pretty big games. So I don't I don't think it's going to change. Um, Kevin O'Connell is kind of similar. He came from the the Rams situation where he was getting Cooper Cup open all the time. So the same thing is going to be the case for for Jefferson. And if Kirk Cousins wants to have a solid year himself, he's going to find a ways to get him the ball. I really like that Jefferson pick. And I think there's been some controversy actually over a Jefferson and a Jamer Chase or mm-hmm. a Tyreek Hill as going in up number one. And I know Cooper Cup was, uh, no matter what, was a couple of years ago. But, uh, I, I, you know, Jefferson Shh. over Chase, to me, Chase, I'm not going to say he has to prove it, but he hasn't, he just, he hasn't. He hasn't reached those levels of a Justin Jefferson or a Cooper Cup yet, or even a Tyreek Hill yet, in my mind. And he's going third overall mm-hmm. in the best ball drafts. I, I just don't see that, though, Pierre. Uh, he still scores well when he scores. That's the that's the thing. And so kind of we were talking about Jefferson's boom. Like Chase has that same type of boom. He's just not as consistent. And I don't know if it's necessarily him not being consistent. Um, but the Bengals have T. Higgins on the other side, you know, right. the, the Vikings don't have a, a T Higgins, you know, KJ Osborne's not T Higgins. We don't know what Jordan Addison is yet, but they're not T Higgins. So just keep that in mind as well. Like Chase has a, another, you know, receiver that could ultimately be a re- right receiver one on another team right there beside him. Kind of reminds me of like the Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne type of thing back mm-hmm. with uh, the coach days. Yeah, they're both really good, but it's not going to be every week that all of them can eat. Sometimes you're going to have good defenses where only one of them can eat, and that's the case with with Chase and what he faces. Well, I don't feel like Justin Jefferson faces that because he's clearly 1A on his team. And you also have the addition of Irv Smith there that I've seen a lot of smoke going. I I still have to see that one to believe that one. Uh, Not that I want to take a tight end out of the equation, Cincinnati, because I think you do want a piece of that offense somewhere along the way. And I, but I I look at him and I look at Tyler Boyd and, you know, it just seems like there's always going to be that Tyler Boyd game or two along the, in the year as well. It just, there that's that's the good thing with Cincy. There's, there's weapons there, you know, and, you know, Burrow's a good quarterback. He's going to find the open receiver. So again, that's going to, take away from chase but chase is still gonna get his and i mean you, you mentioned her smith and i kind of laughed it off but i mean even hayden hurst had a couple of solid yeah. games last year cj uzama had a couple of good games two years before that so burrow's just gonna find uh where the mismatches are he's gonna take advantage of it that's the type of quarterback he is so having pieces of this Bengals offense is definitely a, a positive thought process chase had 87 receptions last year for 1046 yards and he had nine <laughs> touchdowns all right, finished 15th overall, I believe, in statistics. So, uh, fa- or fantasy statistics. I just can't see taking him at number three. Although, I will say, I would t- rather have him than Cooper Cup this year. I just, I'm not sure how that Los Angeles Rams offense is going to be. I'm not sure Matthew Stafford's health situation. There's a lot of question marks surrounding Cooper Cup, just like 
there was maybe two years ago whenever he became wide receiver one <laughs> uh, on everything. So, you know, there's always that going on for me. But I think out of these five, I'd, I'd rather have Justin Jefferson first. Mm-hmm. And then I think I'd even rather go down to Tyreek Hill, especially in best ball where I'm looking to maybe stack him up with a quarterback. And okay. right now, I, I, um, if I'm not mistaken, it looks like, let's see here, uh, going 12th, 11th overall, 11th off the board is Tua Tagovailoa. So you can kind of pick him up maybe as your second quarterback or maybe even your third quarterback if you're lucky enough to be able to, if you go quarterback heavy at the front of the draft. So uh, or maybe even number one. Yeah, he's he's going to be right there, borderline quarterback one, quarterback two being Tua. With Tyreek. I mean, he's so talented. Like, folks were worried <laughs> without Mahomes that he was just going to fall off the map some, and that was not the case, um, which is pretty encouraging for any Tyreek owners or any fans of Tyreek. Uh, you do have Jalen Waddle, who's also, you know, a, a really good up-and-coming receiver, but Tyreek got his, and even when Tua, like, got injured, like, Tyreek seemed to be the the mainstay out of the receivers there for the the Dolphins. When Skylar Thompson came in, Bridgewater, et cetera. Um, so I do like Tyreek um, quite a bit as well. I think we're discounting Cooper Cup a little bit. With Matthew Stafford, we saw what Cooper Cup was. I don't think we can assume that Stafford won't be healthy. You know, okay. I know the I know the the offensive line has had issues, but you know, Cam Akers looked a little better at the end of the year. We saw Baker Mayfield have some solid games there at the end of the year. So if they can keep Stafford upright, there is no one else for him to throw it to but right. Cooper Cup. And when that's been the case in the past, no team can stop it. Like Cooper Cup just, you know where it's going. He can't stop it. So if he's healthy, if Stafford's healthy, I think you got to look at Cup being one of these top three guys. Okay, I, that's fair. And that's for you. And I'm not going to ever argue anybody that they shouldn't do that because I just, mm-hmm. I, I, you can't do that because we know about the nature of Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. We, so you can't do that. But I'm just saying Tyreek Hill, I think, has a better shot at, at becoming more fantasy productive. But let me just give you these stats 119 receptions last year, 1,710 yards, 10 touchdowns for Tyreek Hill. Now, that was with Tua Tagovailoa suffering some injuries, not playing some games, and we saw those backups come in there, and that we saw what happened during those games, right? Yeah. They got Mike White as their backup now. We know Mike White can throw that ball, and he's not scared to throw the ball 100 times, maybe maybe 50 to the other <laughs> team and 50 to his team. We understand that, but he can still yeah. put up fantasy-relevant numbers. And those New York Jets receivers were very, I don't want to say very productive, but they were productive enough in fantasy worlds to be able to give us good output each and every week whenever Mike White was the quarterback. So I'm looking at Tyreek Hill as being a little bit more bulletproof this year than what he was last year. And he put up incredible numbers last year, finished third among wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, good offense. Like I stated, he's got someone to take attention away from him and Waddle. Um, McDaniel's a really good offensive coordinator. I think two is a key, kind of similar to how Stafford's a key. Um, but he he's just capable, and they're going to get him involved. And you know the running game here there as well. So I'm not saying I don't like Tyreek Hill. Um, he's right up there for me as well. I just didn't want to discount Cooper Cup because you read off his stats. You know a lot of that. You know without Stafford, and he was yeah. hurt himself. But yeah, Tyreek's definitely up there. Um, I think I might have him over Chase a little bit as well. I do too. I do too. But I mean, it's dangerous to say because, you know, Chase is good. Like (laughs) these four really up there, you look at Tyreek, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup. I mean, they're up there for a reason. Um, That's why they're getting drafted so early is they're, they're clearly uh, the top, I think, cream of the cop when it cream of the crop when it comes to receivers. I agree with you. Let's move down here a little bit. We know Travis Kelsey's up there. Very, uh, I would say, top five worthy because it gives you such a, a an advantage as far as a positional advantage goes oh, yeah. over other tight ends. So it's just it's just one of those things. Plus, you look at that wide receiving core in Kansas City without DeAndre Hopkins right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's, there's nobody else. There's nobody else. Well, and, you, mentioned, you mentioned the position, like how, how much he sets himself apart, I believe. Um, with the Scott Fishbow, he averaged 10 more points a game than any other tight end on average, which is that just gives you 10 points. That's 10 to nothing yeah. over your opponent automatically. You exactly. know what I mean? So that that always and, and man, those those Scott 
it was so close for me last year and some several several weeks where it was like oh i lost by five points oh i lost by you know just it was it was so (laughs) close like that and i i wish i would have had uh i wish i wouldn't have put all my eggs in the los angeles charger basket but i did and i (laughs) never Uh, trust the chargers I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did. Uh, next little group here: Austin Eckler, Stephon Diggs, Jonathan Taylor, Bajon Robinson, and Saquon Barkley. Really running back heavy here. Christian mm-hmm. McCaffrey, of course, went in that first five, uh, and and rightfully so because he's such a receiving back out of those things. To me, Stephon Diggs is is quite fascinating this year, Pierre, because not only do you have the DeAndre Hopkins news coming out where he is now a free agent, essentially, and the Buffalo Bills are one of the favorites to be able to pick him up. I, I don't know if that's going to be true or not, mm-hmm. but if it is, it just plummets Stephon Diggs' value, I believe. Uh, just You put another wide receiver one alongside of him on the opposite side. We've seen how he kind of works with that in Minnesota before. Yeah. And you know, the, 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 the <laughs> blow-upness that he had even on the sidelines in Buffalo last season, especially in the playoffs, I'm just thinking that Stephon Diggs is not one of the, the, the guys that you want to share targets with. It's tough because, I mean, all receivers want the ball. But, yeah, he's, he's definitely outward and boisterous at times. And I get it because he's a competitor. Yes. You know, he, he feels like he can make plays. And I don't know. I don't know how much Hopkins would take away from that. And that's the that's the thing. It's one thing to, to come in and be the new guy like Hopkins. It's another to be the guy that's already built the rapport with the quarterback. So um, I still don't mind Diggs. I feel like Buffalo, you know, they're they're just one of those offenses that you want pieces of just yep, because yep. of Josh Allen. But even so, like they can spread the ball around a bit as well. Um, Diggs seem to be the the safe the safe one out of that lineup. You know, Gabe Davis, Boomer Bus, McKenzie, Boomer Bus, those types. So if Hopkins is added into that, I don't know how much that changes with Diggs. I think he'll still be consistent. It just may not be as much from a boom standpoint. But I, I still like him. I think I like I think I like a lot of the guys behind him a little better than him though. I do too. I mean, as far as wide receivers go, and and I've been in some best ball rooms already and I've been trying to do with my rankings and different things like that. And I'm going I'm just keep moving Stefan Diggs down and I'm going, okay. I, I definitely want to move him down below C.D. Lamb. I think C.D. Lamb mm-hmm. can have a really good year this year. Uh, he had a great year last season. I think it uh, underestimated him a little bit going into the season, but I, I picked him up everywhere because I think other people underestimated him. A.J. Brown is one of those names that mm-hmm. I don't mind, but at the same time, uh, when I when I see that C.D. Lamb, I just have him above everybody. I kind of want to insert C.D. Lamb at number eight instead of Stephon Diggs. I mean, I like Lamb up there, but... I mean, Devontae Adams to me is like yep, one of the best right. receivers in the NFL. He did it without Rodgers, but Derek Carr, I mean, I mean, I like Derek Carr, but it's not like he's a, a spectacular quarterback. Is he going to be able to do it with Tom Brady? I mean, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? <laughs> I mean, Garoppolo's accurate. Yep. Look at Debo Samuel yep. when Garoppolo was healthy. Debo had some really big games, and not just not just on the ground with rushing, like, the, the the bright side with, with Jimmy G is he's gonna he's gonna be accurate, he's gonna deliver the ball to you, which is what you want as a receiver. And that's what teams want. He's kind of safe. He doesn't have the boom, but he's gonna fit it into the window. He's gonna run your offense. And Devontae Adams is gonna be that offense when it comes to the passing attack. Like I'm not afraid of Hunter Winfro. You know, Darren Waller, he's he's gone now. Um I know Jacoby Myers came in a little bit, but it's still Devontae Adams. And now that they basically booted his best pal and car to the to the side of the road they're going to need to keep him happy and the only way to do that is to to win games and get him the ball yeah now i that's what i was going to ask you and you've already answered the question i think i did as well which one of these top 11 because i went all the way down to saquon barkley because he just kind of fit in 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 that running back run that it looks like Mm -hmm. people are going on in these best ball leagues who doesn't belong in there and to me, it's Stephon Diggs. He just jumps off the page at me as somebody who might not belong in that top 11 going into this draft season, at least for me. And clearly, there are at least three wide receivers that go above him in these leagues. I think so. I think so, too. It's either him or or B. John Robinson. And I, I understand how talented B. John is. Yep. It's just he's a rookie. He's in Atlanta. I couldn't really trust that offense last year. Um you know, Tyler Algier is still there and, you know, how much are they got to move the ball with Ritter? So it's one of those two. But, yeah, I think I would agree. It's probably Diggs. 
just because Bijan should get some pretty good volume. Let me ask you this. Uh, where does where Bijan go? Because right now he's going 10th ADP in these best ball things. To me, him and Jonathan Taylor, I have my concerns about both of those. And I, I'm a worry wart when it comes to, when it comes to ADPs and stuff like that. I can, I can pick apart any argument. And to me, it's Jonathan Taylor just possibly having a running quarterback there out of a Jalen Hurts style of offense, Philadelphia Eagles style of offense. We just saw the productivity of running backs kind of go down. I mean, Miles Sanders had a good year last season, but that yeah, Philadelphia did. Eagles offense was firing on all cylinders. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it was unprecedented what was going on there in Philadelphia. And I just don't know that they can re- they can recreate that that very first year in Indianapolis with a rookie quarterback. You know what I mean? So I, I worry about that with Jonathan Taylor. I, I could see – I'm not going <clears> to <throat> say I could see uh, – uh, what's, what's, what's the quarterback's name? Anthony Richardson. Yeah, thank you. Anthony Richardson. <laughs> I, I, a lot of names. Uh, Anthony Richardson. I, I'm not going to say I could see him rushing for more yards than Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. But they, they both are going to hit 1,000 possibly. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I think I think one thing that Jonathan Taylor has going for him is Richardson's a rookie. Um, so what are they going to really unleash him to do um, yeah. as a rookie? I think they, they'll probably be a bit more run heavy. Um and yeah, he'll he'll take some things from Taylor, but I don't think it'll be to the extent of Herps, um, who had already had some time under his belt. Um, he played some as a rookie behind Wentz. So I, I don't think it's the same situation. Um, I also think that Jonathan Taylor's a different back than than Miles Sanders. Um, I think he's a, a yes. better back than Miles Sanders. So yes. I, I still like Jonathan Taylor. What what worries me with any running back, especially when it goes to to being drafted early, is for one, the the red zone, the goal line type touches, which I think I think Taylor's pretty safe there, from what we know now. Um, but the the pass catching, yes, are they going to allow him to to catch passes when you come to those half point, full point PPRs, which you know McCaffrey and Eckler are going to be involved, uh, yeah. which is why they belong up there. But how much is a Taylor, a Robinson? Are they going to be involved? You know, Barkley started getting involved a little bit with Daniel Jones last year. When it comes to running backs, you want them to have that dual threat uh, mm-hmm. type of, I guess, talent um, or at least opportunity when it comes to offenses. Yeah, and that's why I would say I would move Saquon Barkley above Jonathan Taylor and Bijan Robinson. And I think I'm taking a Devontae Adams and a C.D. Lamb over both of those running backs, uh, Jonathan Taylor and uh, Bijan Robinson. It's tough. I think they're they're right there. They're in the mix. Like if I'm on the clock, I'm gonna I'll probably close my eyes and just click one. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. You can't be wrong. All right. So out of so I would want to move those guys. Let me ask you this: first quarterbacks off the board. Okay, pretty simple. Patrick Mahomes, Josh, uh, and and Jalen Hurts are are two and three. Josh Allen is going above them, and I think he adds that running mm-hmm. back kind of you know thing that we want to see and he has all those touchdowns and everything and and we always like to see all those things justin fields is going forth justin yeah. fields is going forth we haven't seen him be a terribly accurate passer <laughs> right yeah. and and it was a lot of productivity almost set a rushing record for quarterbacks last season but he's going above a joe burrow a lamar jackson this season do, do you agree with that right now he's fourth joe burrow's fifth lamar jackson is sixth so I'll tell you, this has been my biggest debate throughout the offseason when it comes to quarterbacks is, is that four spot. And initially, going in, that's where I have field slotted at four. Yeah. His, his rushing upside is insane. Um, if you think about the fact, you know, of how he finished some, some games last year, you know, he was up there. In the the Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, you know, when you're looking at DFS, when I looked at like quarterbacks I wanted to play that had upside, it was those four. Um, Burrow wasn't in there for me. Jackson, Lamar wasn't in there for me. It was Fields, Hurts, Mahomes, and Allen. He now has DJ Moore in town. Um, He should have a healthy Mooney, um, a a training camp and offseason with Claypool. If he can find a way to to unlock his arm and still continue to keep his rushing upside, he's he's the fourth quarterback. If you feel like he's gonna maybe digress when it comes to to running and he's not gonna make up for it with his arm, 
then you'll probably want to jump Burrow, Jackson, Herbert, those types over him. But if you feel like he's going to improve and the rushing still going to be there, yeah, I think Fields is number four. Let me say this, too, about Justin Fields. It's maybe not unlocking his arm. You know, yeah. like, like maybe just allowing him to do something because the first four or five games last season, Chicago didn't allow Justin Fields to make a mistake. And so yeah. what they didn't allow Justin Fields to do was essentially step on the field and do anything. Right. I mean, <laughs> it was such a different looking offense, those first four or five games. And then when they allowed Justin Fields to improvise and run, it was yeah. completely different. And so you're looking at some po- and maybe it was trying to allow him to get used to the offense. Maybe it was trying to force him to do some things that they wanted to see him grow, you know, working on his footwork, make him be a fast per, a pass first quarterback, hoping to develop this quarterback along the way. And then all of a sudden the seat became very hot and they said, okay, Justin, uh, go win us some ball games. You know, yeah. I, mean, I don't know what it was, but it, it was completely different offense. So when you look at those statistics for Justin Fields last season, keep that in mind because he was averaging 30, 35, 40 fantasy points a game, depending on what kind of platform you're playing on. Whenever he was at his peak, Justin Fields, and there was there was five, six, seven games there where he was peak Justin Fields. But oh, those yeah. first five games, it, I, I had picked him up in redraft leagues all along the way because he was free last season going into – he wasn't even picked in a lot of redraft leagues that I was in. So I'm like, all right, I'm taking Justin Fields. And I'm a Bears fan, and I dropped him after <laughs> – uh, well, I did because he was – Three, three fantasy points, four yeah. fantasy points, five fantasy points. There was nothing. There was nothing on the table. I'm like, well, if this offense is going to uh, uh, revolve around him like that, then there's no reason to have Justin Fields. And then instead of loosen, he was gone. So I, He was gone. I, I, everyone I was on him. And the team's committed to him now, too. So, I mean, you got to think they had the yes, number one overall yes, pick yes. and decided to trade out of it uh, over a Bryce Young or you know, a C.J. Stroud. Anthony Richardson type. So, I mean, this is his team. They're going to ride with him. And if he struggles, then, you know, you got your Caleb Williams, your Drake Mays next year. But he's going to get a chance to, to show what he can do. And I, I do like him. I think four. I think he he's my four based off what I feel is going to happen. So I think he's right where he needs to be. A couple of more minutes here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network on the DFS Streamer Podcast as we're going over these best ball ADPs a little bit. And, Pierre, I want to cover some more of the quarterbacks right here okay. as we get into this because running back, like, you know, we talked about running back. There wasn't any – I look at the running back room and I don't see a lot of – I don't want to say sleepers. Like, I, don't, I can't believe Tony Pollard is going ninth. You know, Josh Jacobs is down there eight. I could see them moving up higher to me than a Derrick Henry or a Nick Chubb. I think the Tennessee offense is just going to be putrid. I would want to even put Josh Jacobs and Tony Pollard, and forgive me, Pierre, because I know you're a big Jonathan Taylor fan, but I, I would want to move them up above a Bajon Robinson and a Jonathan Taylor just because I know what I'm getting a little bit more in the Josh Jacobs and the Tony Pollards of the world. And so I want to move them up. And so I think that you can maybe hold off and get that running back, get that studly running back there at the beginning, at the end of the second round, beginning of the third round. But when I look at these quarterbacks, I'm wondering who would you bump up in this? You know, because you talked about Joe Burrow, you talked Mm -hmm. about Lamar Jackson, you talked about Justin Herbert. And then I look down here a little bit and I see Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson yeah. At the bottom end of this, and to me that they have they have got more upside than a Lamar Jackson, a Justin Herbert, and a Joe Burrow. I, I don't mind Lamar Jackson this year, but I definitely have them. Uh, I have those two guys above a Joe Burrow and a Trevor and a Justin Herbert in my personal rankings. So I don't know if they have more upside, maybe more than Herbert, but Burrow. I mean, he's yeah, tough, I know, man. I know, I know. And yeah. Lamar, Lamar can run himself which people forget, you know, he's had a contract dispute. He's just got paid. You might see, you know, vintage Lamar now. They went out and got him some weapons. You know, they they should get Bateman back. They got Odell. They got Zay Flowers. He still has Mark Andrews, likely. Uh, Lamar Jackson, don't don't be shocked if he he returns to MVP-type form. Uh, The one that you mentioned that kind of jumps out and uh, obviously – excluding his off-the-field issues, there's Deshaun Watson. Um, he's he's top-five talent when you think about the Houston Texan, Deshaun Watson. Is that guy still there mentally and, and physically? I don't know. Um, but I do like Deshaun Watson if he can find that form. Uh, he's got Cooper. You know, he, I, I don't mind David Bell as a third. You could see Hopkins end up here. 
as well, which, you know, some folks have talked about. He has a connection with Watson. Uh, so if he's got Deshaun, if Deshaun Watson all of a sudden has Cooper plus Hopkins, yeah, you know, look out there. So I, I like I like Watson. There's one guy that intrigues me that's down here. Uh, we'll see if you can guess who he is. Anthony Richardson. No, it's it's not the Homer pick. Gino, it's Gino. I I, I like Gino. It's not Gino either. It's not Gino. Uh, maybe it would be. I, I, I do well, like to me, it's, yeah. Well, Daniel Jones to me it's is Daniel always Daniel Jones. Okay, yeah, yeah. He's the right. he's got rushing upside. He's got you know the the, the offensive coordinator coach with Brian DeBow. He's, he's got a like hundred wide receivers to choose from, isn't it? Right. Well, I'm just saying, like the what you want. You want a guy that can throw for touchdowns, a guy that can yes. run with his legs. Daniel yes. Jones can do that. He's shown he can do that last year. I believe he was he finished like top five in some scoring formats because of that rushing upside. If he's, if he excels and continues to to progress, um, I think you got to jump him up into this, you know, top 10, top nine or so um, over someone like a, a Dak, maybe over Deshaun, over even a Tua some. Yeah, Tua has great weapons and Tyreek and Waddle that are going to help him get there. But when you look at the legs and what Daniel Jones can do running the ball, he intrigues me down there at 13. I, I will leave that for you and Steffi Smalls to be able to look at uh, Daniel she, Jones's she, legs. Okay, I, I mean, that's what I. Was, but yes, no, the numbers were fantastic last year, and I, I'm really, I, I'm believing in Brian Dayball and mm-hmm. Daniel Jones' connection. I am, and you know they they've they've made a commitment to try and improve that offense around him, picking up some wide receivers in the off season. They'll be able to build on some of that chemistry that they had with those wide receivers that had plenty of playing time because the New York (laughs) Giant wide receiver room just always gets hurt. So they'll be able to build on that chemistry. Saquon Barkley, of course, still has something I don't want to say to prove, but he's in a contract year. So, you know, that's that's always a good thing. And it's not necessarily going to be through the rushing side of things. Like you said, a lot of dump off passes to him. And he's in the but Darren Waller as well. A a great addition. That may be his best receiver that he's played with. Yeah, I mean, that? you, you look that? at Evan Ingram, you know, he dropped quite a few passes in, in New York. I know he looked good last year, but if Waller catches those, I mean, it makes Daniel Jones look a little bit better. Quarterback's really interesting, as I'll, I'll say. You got some some vets like Rodgers, Russell Wilson that, you know, you got to think about. Goff, you know, looked really good in the Lions offense. So it's, it's going to be fun to see how these kind of play out. You got unknowns, Jordan Love, what's he going to do? Trey Lance going to get a chance with, with Purdy a little banged up. So we'll see how it plays out. 15 touchdowns and five interceptions for Daniel Jones last season. I think you can build on that a little bit more with Brian Dayball this offseason. So, Pierre, that's a good show. I believe that it was a good show. It may have been our best show ever. It Maybe. Picks- I, I I love the DFS Dreamer podcast where we're looking to break it down all those slates. I like the old school DFS Dreamer podcast too, by the way, where I always made you play all those games. I like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes it was easy. Sometimes I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun though. All right. Hey, don't forget to follow my man Pierre over on Twitter at Peewee31. You can find us on that other podcast as well, the Finding Faith and Losing Sleep podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Loafinet and you can follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore there. And as always, what is it, Pierre? Uh, make a positive impact in somebody's life today. Oh, emphasized it too. Good job. <laughs> <laughs>